2: now
4: evening everyone and welcome back to another episode of friday night live stream want to thank you guys for being here see a bunch of familiar faces out there in the rumble chat vector always hanging out algorithm q Trisha, as well, and of course, Real Red Pill Girlfriend, Real Red Pill Fiance, (laughs) and Algorithm, and Lonely German. Thanks for being here, guys. Tonight, my friends, we are going to be hosting a returning guest, Scott Shara. Scott, last time, was unable to do the show live, so we did it pre-recorded. So this is going to be his first time uh, interacting with the audience in real time. We're going to be taking your calls in the second hour. Uh, And uh, the story tonight is going to be a sad one, but I think that there's always hope that you can find in tragedy. And certainly Scott is using this experience to try to ensure that other people, other parents don't have to go through the same tragedy that he and his experienced. So please do me a favor. If you wouldn't mind, hit that like button on your way in. Also, Consider sharing the program out there on your favorite social media platforms, whether it's Twitter, Gab, Getter, Truth Social, Telegram, even Facebook. Appreciate it. Sit back, relax, grab your popcorn, and we're going to be right back after this. All right. Good evening, everyone. Welcome back. Thank you for being here. And please join me in welcoming our guest for this evening, Mr. Scott Shara. Scott, how are you, sir? I'm doing well, Zach. Good to see you. Awesome. It's great to see you, too. And it's always a pleasure to be able to sit down and talk with you. Uh, You know, when you first came on the program, uh, I, I, I don't think you had done all that many interviews and you weren't doing your own shows at that time. Uh, But you've really taken this mission and uh, and you spread your wings, so to speak. I mean, you are now uh, making your own shows on a regular basis. I see your face all over the place on other people's programs. And uh, and and you're making sure that people remember grace and also ensure that uh, people are, are, are paying attention to this stuff because too often it just falls through the cracks. Well that's
5: uh that's for sure, Zach. This has become my full time occupation, if you wanna call it that. I I research and am an advocate all the time when I'm not on the air, but the Airtime has been extreme. I've been on about 500 interviews now. Yep. And as you mentioned, I have my own program, deprogramming with Grace's dad. But the the real um, issue that's happened of late is on April 11th, we filed a landmark lawsuit. And that has really ratcheted up the game as far as, as um, being all in. I mean, we are literally all in on this because, you know, Grace's death, um, they took one of his. And because of that, we have a responsibility to shine light on the evil. And we're literally grace has been saving
4: lives. And it is neat to be part of that. Absolutely. Well, just for anybody who was unable to watch the first show, uh, let's get a little bit into who you are, your background, and uh, and let's move into the story itself. Scott, what were you doing before all of this happened?
5: Well, I've been a business owner for about 30 years. I started four different businesses from scratch. And, you know, what I was doing was managing the business. But I was on the way out of it to the extent that I was finally um, being able to enjoy some time with with Grace and my wife, Cindy, uh, because the business is relatively mature. About six years ago, I developed, or at least I was diagnosed with heart disease. And that put in motion a series of training that my guys were able to um, uh, essentially run the business. And I turned it completely over to them now, other than a little bit of leadership that I still do on a regular basis. But, you know, thankfully, uh, the, the wheels were in motion to turn the business over to them well before Grace died.
4: So uh, let, let's let's talk about the situation with Grace. So I, if if you guys happen to catch the, the trailer for the show, I uploaded the incorrect take. Uh, unfortunately, there have been so many people who have uh, been victims of the covid medical industrial complex. Uh, it's, it's tough to keep it straight. But Grace was one such uh, victim of this system. And can you tell us about that situation and how that came about?
5: Sure. Grace was 19 years old. Grace had Down syndrome. And what really made our situation unique compared to a lot of the ones that you hear about is Grace was never given remdesivir and she was never put on a ventilator. Uh, She was taken out by a different protocol, which as I've been researching, I realized Oh, there's a euthanasia agenda that has been around for decades. And that agenda is what took Grace out. You know, it was during COVID and she was supposedly diagnosed with COVID, whatever that means. Uh This was the stage was October of 2021. So what happened was, we had tested Grace with a home test. She tested positive. We had never vaccinated Grace with any vaccine. So she, of course, didn't get the COVID jab. Mm-hmm. And as we were on the FLCCC protocol, uh, Grace was on ivermectin vitamins, but ultimately her oxygen saturation dropped to 88%. And we perceived that as an emergency. Uh, we took her to The uh, urgent care, which that ended up being transported to um, the emergency room, we admitted her to the hospital. You know, when I look at it today, it's pretty obvious Grace did not need a hospital stay because she had the equivalent of a bad cold if we would have kept her at home on the FLCCC protocol, she'd be alive today. Yeah. Ultimately, we checked her into the hospital on the 6th of October 2021, and she was dead one week later. So she she checked in really just needing some oxygen. When we were in the ER, uh, she was just on a regular cannula, and she was maintaining oxygen in the high 90s. So uh, that's really all she needed. They ended up I was physically with Grace from October sixth until the tenth, and it, at the, the the morning of the tenth, I was taken out by an armed guard. We had to hire a, an attorney to get my daughter, Jessica, in as a replacement advocate. So we had 47 hours without an advocate in the room. We learned in reviewing the records afterwards, Zach, that on October 9th, they started Grace on a sedation med. Uh, While we didn't have advocacy, they increased the dose of the med six different times. So they sedated Grace instead of taking care of her. And, you know, ultimately, as we get into Grace's last day, which was the 13th of October, that's Grace's last day on earth. The day started with the doctor calling Cindy and I at home. And it, it, interesting the sequence of events because they had uh, attempted to get us to agree to put Grace on a ventilator as a it, basically as a. Um, um, they wanted our pre-approval for it. Well, the morning of her last day, they called for the fifth time for this pre-approval. And they always framed it that these type of things tend to happen in the middle of the night. So we'd, we just want to have your pre-approval just in case. And, you know, having researched ventilators, I knew what just in case meant is that they were going to do it. Yeah. So we <clears> said no to the ventilator for the fifth time on the morning of the 13th. And when you look at the sequence of events that happen after that, it is, it's real nefarious, ultimately leading to us filing the lawsuit. So the morning started before the doctor called us. Jessica, my daughter, was with her, and the nurse told Jessica she needed to go home and take a shower instead of taking a shower in the room. Well, while they while Jessica was gone, they strapped Grace down to the bed. Well, the doctor is now on the phone with us. After that, they strapped her down to the bed and made her go to the bathroom in the bed and said, uh, you know, he asked us for the authorization for the ventilator. We said no. Then he switched gears and said, Grace had such a good day yesterday, which we knew in spite of being sedated, she had a great day. And he said, we should work on nutrition and get her out of bed today. Remember, they'd already strapped her down, but he's telling us, let's get her out of bed in a chair watching TV so we can get her out of here in the next several days. Well, literally, while
6: Now Grace is on it for four and a half days. Eight minutes,
5: Scott.
4: I'm 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 Do losing I'm, my, Grace Something is wrong with my internet connection, and I lost you for a minute. And I don't know if the right. audience saw what you had said, but uh, the last thing that I heard was the doctor saying that Grace had had such a good day. And while he was telling you about this, at the same time. There in the background strapping her down, sedating her, and it seem, seems to be a disconnect. It's kind of funny that they would be calling you asking for permission on any of this stuff when it doesn't sound like they asked you for per- permission on any of the other treatments that they were forcing upon her.
5: Yeah, they didn't ask at all. It's it's the most egregious. Well, I mean, there's other ones, but I mean, I I had never seen anything like this relative to the lack of informed consent until I walked through this with Grace's with Grace's death. You know, ultimately, simultaneous with hanging up the phone, he put an illegal do not resuscitate order on Grace. So after that, they combined the precedex with lorazepam and morphine mm-hmm. and that combination of meds is what killed grace the first cause of death listed on grace's death certificate is acute respiratory failure with hypoxemia mm-hmm. that is a direct cause and effect for using presidex as a sedation med for more than 24 hours it says it right on the package insert that that's what's going to happen and so that was professional
4: true. any health professional yeah. would know that
5: Absolutely. And the second cause of death listed was COVID-19 pneumonia, which, of course, is a lie. Mm -hmm. What the second cause of death was is combining Presidex with lorazepam and morphine. Uh, The morphine package insert says to not do that because it can cause death. And if you do do it, you're supposed to keep the reversal drug bedside and monitor the patient. After they gave Grace morphine, no doctor or nurse stepped foot in the room until after Grace was dead. And how long was that? That was so. They gave Grace the morphine at six fifteen. She died at seven twenty seven. That was you know an hour and thirteen minutes, hour and twelve minutes later. Wow. Jessica called us at at seven twenty, panicking, and you know we we didn't have any idea that this anything like this was happening. The doctor called us at six forty three. You know literally less than 30 minutes after giving grace the morphine saying grace had another good day i just gave her morphine and so we said well what is the reason he said well i wanted to slow her breathing down we didn't know him he meant slow it down to zero yeah. well now jessica called us a half hour after the doctor panicking and she said dad grace's numbers are dropping like crazy i said get the nurses in she said i'm trying they refuse so Cindy and I started screaming through the FaceTime call, save our daughter. And this is when we learned she was labeled do not resuscitate because they hollered outside the from outside the room, she's DNR. And we hollered back, she's not DNR, save our daughter. And they refused. And we, we watched Grace die at 727 on a FaceTime call. Scott, I'm so, so sorry. I mean, just think, you know, Zach, this is literally – Less than you know, about eight hours after we're talking with the doctor on the phone, telling us how great of a day Grace had. Oh,
4: God. It's horrible. It's I, I can't imagine as a father, I mean, even as a human being. Okay, so a, a couple of different things. The, the do not resuscitate order, illegal order. I mean, the doctor is not Grace's uh, caretaker. The doctor has no legal say over what happens to Grace. So I'm assuming when you say it's illegal, it's because it didn't come from you or her mother, her caregivers, right?
5: Well, that's correct. What's yeah. interesting about it is... The excuse that we have gotten from the Department of Safety and Professional Services, and I'm going to read it right out of their letter, because it's it's hard to grasp. You know, since Grace's case has gone international, I've learned of a number of these DNR situations. It's, it's more common than what people think. Mm-hmm. A man flew into Appleton to interview me for a DNR documentary, back in August, and he started probing with the Department of Safety and Professional Services. That's the department that regulates the doctors' and nurses' licenses in Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. And they wrote him back on December 5th and said that Chapter 154, which is the Wisconsin DNR statute, of the Wisconsin statutes does not apply to physicians operating in a hospital, non-emergency room setting, such as the one in question. So that means the doctor can put a unilateral DNR on somebody, according to the regulatory department, whenever he wants in a hospital setting. So in our lawsuit, we're asking for a declaratory judgment on that because, obviously, that can't be true. There's no way a doctor can can do that. If that's the case, anytime somebody goes to the hospital, what they have to do is have their chart live on their mm-hmm. laptop or their phone and checking constantly if the doctors put in
4: it, put in a DNR on them. Yeah, yeah. All right, so two more things. You mentioned a- an ongoing euthanasia agenda. Uh, are you referring specifically to uh, children or adults with down syndrome or is are you saying just kind of unilaterally across the healthcare field they're trying to kill people?
5: I'm saying across the healthcare field, and I can prove it with the Obamacare documents. But then I also found a document two weeks ago that shows... The euthanasia agenda specifically for Down syndrome people. And so both are egregious. I mean, we know that there's an overall agenda to reduce the population. Mm-hmm. I never thought I'd find the documents itself to show it. I mean, there's smoking gun after smoking gun that we have found. And, you know, the Obamacare document exposes the euthanasia agenda. You know, we're really good as a country to point our fingers at everybody else. We, Absolutely. you know, Canada's got their, you know, you naughty Canadian you have your medical assistance and dying program well we have medical assistance and dying and it was in place way before the maid program in canada
4: um so do you happen to have those documents handy is that something you could show us or can you just go through uh, the specifics of it i mean i think that a lot of people would be shocked to hear or see something like that in print here in america
2: Sure.
5: Yeah, I'll. I'll. Uh, so anybody can find this. I'll yep. show it. I can send it to you, Zach, if you okay. want. I don't. You guess you can't oh. see it. Yeah, the uh... <laughs> you can't see it with the camera. That's a right. camera setup. Um, <laughs> well, so tell me where I
4: can find it. I Obamacare,
5: can pull it up. Yeah. Yeah, you can pull it up right now. Just type in Obamacare in in Google. You'll see it's nine hundred seventy four pages long, okay. and I'm going to read right out of page one hundred forty
4: one. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead and read it, and I'll see if I can find Okay, it.
5: so what, what page 141 is is Section 1553 of Obamacare, and it's titled Prohibition Against Discrimination on Assisted Suicide. And what it says is that individuals, which are the doctors or institutions, the hospitals, refusing to participate in assisted suicide, euthanasia, or mercy killing, may not be discriminated against by the government. So this my brother loves loves it when I say you can't make this up. I mean this literally is the smoking gun. Wow. They're telling us they're going to kill us by assisted suicide, euthanasia or mercy killing. Well, mercy mercy and, killing's
4: you know, the the real clue cuz I I mean, you know, uh, assisted suicide that that implies that the person who's dying has some like uh, uh, agency in the process, you know, but a mercy killing. I mean, that's the doctor choosing who they're going to kill, uh, you know, making the unilateral decision that this person shouldn't or, uh, or or, you know, really doesn't need to live.
5: Absolutely. And, you know, it specifically exempts doctors or hospitals who have a conscience and don't want to participate. It says that they, those ones who have a conscience can't be discriminated against. Yet what's interesting is their claim for discrimination is uh, in subsection D of section 1553 of Obamacare. It says that their claim for discrimination is through the Uh, health and human services secretary, which the health and human services secretary is likely the most corrupt person on the planet, because he is the one who implemented the public health emergency unilaterally for 39 months running. We should be not surprised whatsoever that this wording is in Obamacare. And the reason is, is Ezekiel Emanuel is the chief architect of Obamacare. And I'm going to quote him from 1996. He said, quote, services provided to individuals who are irreversibly prevented from being or becoming participating citizens are not basic and should not be guaranteed. So taking a phrase out of... world war two the useless eaters don't have a right to health care mm-hmm. and you know i'm i am here to tell you every single one of us is going to be a useless eater sometime sure. and that's the goal they once you become a useless eater there's no purpose for you anymore, according to this collectivism mentality. And so it's time to eliminate you. So that's the, the man who's the chief architect, that's his opinion. So no surprise that it's weaved into Obamacare. And when I found this section 1553, I was shocked. You know, I can't be the first person who ever read this. Uh, but you know, for some reason, it's been overlooked for years. And you got to also consider that Congress voted to approve Obamacare March 23rd of 2010. It's never been repealed. They in theory tried to repeal it, but you know what's the reason it's not it's not repealed? And I I believe it's because our entire government is completely corrupt. You know, why would you ever have this provision in in uh, medical care in the United States of America? Well, it's to accomplish a goal that is um, something that we don't want to think about, and grace was part of it.
4: Absolutely. No, there there truly is a depopulation agenda. And, you know, I think that we can also look at the, uh, the the entirety of the pandemic and what they did to the elderly in nursing homes. And I mean, not only the elderly, but I mean, people generally infirmed. I mean, it's like every decision they made, they wanted to ensure that those people would just be wiped off the board. I mean, take them out of the equation altogether. And then you've got, uh, uh, I don't know, maybe a little bit of breathing room on your social security net and the programs that they're trying to offer. They want to move that money into illegal immigrants and uh, sex changes for uh, migrant children. You know, th- these are the things they want to spend money on, not on uh, taking care of the elderly or taking care of people who would be uh, otherwise uh, somehow disadvantaged in society.
5: Well, that's a good segue into what the numbers behind COVID, and not just the financial numbers, but the death numbers. So we're in the hospital murder lane. That's the lane I'm squarely in. And roughly 1.2 million Americans were murdered in hospitals in the last 39 months with COVID as a diagnosis. So that number might seem insignificant or meaningless to somebody until you frame it in terms of number two. So America, 1.2 million murders. The next country, number two, we're number one on the planet. Number two is India. India has only 531,000 deaths, less than 50% of the United States, yet their population is four times that of the United States. So that doesn't make any sense, except for when you consider the United States has to lead the way because we're the only in theory, free country left, we have to lead the way with this agenda uh,
4: well, then you it's, it's even ahead, more shocking ahead. when you recognize that the Indian healthcare system is you know I mean a lot of hospitals have very unsanitary conditions quite often there are no proper medical facilities uh, so I just the the ratio on the number of people to the population that were were killed in hospitals that's that's kind of shocking.
5: Oh, I I was very shocked when I saw that statistic. Another one that is where you said they they want to funnel the money to uh transgenderism and everything and it border lack of border control, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Well, I want you to consider this. Before COVID, the excuse they used for collectivism was we have sixty-two million Americans on Medicare and Medicaid. Mm-hmm. The number one and number two Quote causes of death with COVID in a hospital were elderly number one, disabled number two. Yep. Well, those are not comorbidities; those were done on purpose, and it was done on purpose because the 62 million Americans accounted for 39 percent of the annual federal budget. So the excuse they use is, you know, that's it's an uh, the numbers getting out of control. We've got to control this number, and so we need to take these people out. Well, that number. Of 62 million went to 100 million in March. Now there's 100 million on Medicare and Medicaid. So now one third of the entire United States population, so now well over 50% of the budget is for Medicare and Medicaid bureaucracy. So now they have an excuse on steroids. Mm -hmm. So walk through what's going to happen. We already know the the type of things that are happening because of the jab. So I'm just going to take increased cancer rates. Mm -hmm. So the increased cancer rates, the person gets, doesn't feel well. They go into the doctor and we've been programmed. This is why my podcast is called deprogramming. Uh, By the way, I have Dr. Brzezinski on this next Wednesday. He's one of the few that is still allowed to practice with cancer cures that are not uh related to radiation or keo chemo so can,
4: now the can, person can you put ahead. me in touch with dr Brzezinski? i've been trying to get an interview with him for like six months and i can't i can't get a hold of anybody at uh through his office or or otherwise if you could put me in touch i would be so appreciative. <laughs> oh, wow
5: yeah i mean he it, it, i uh yeah his um I, I can give you the person that arranged yeah. the interview for me yeah right. so i just reached out i i had watched a um a documentary, you know, where they tried to to, um, basically throw this guy under the bus. I thought, oh my gosh, this guy is, he's the real deal. So I just wanted to interview him because, you know, we've been programmed to accept radiation and chemo. So now the person, you know, they they probably have an increase in cancer. They have cancer because of the jab. They go into the doctor and the doctor says, well, what you've got is cancer. And so I can set you up for radiation and and chemo next week. Mm -hmm. And so then what does the person do? As soon as they realize they have cancer and the doctor prescribes radiation and or chemo, the next thing they say is, does my insurance cover it? And, And the doctor says, well, of course it does. You're on Medicare. And guess what? The doctor and the patient just agreed to their death sentence.
4: Absolutely. Yeah.
5: And no, this is what's so coming. And it's coming because they purposely put 100 million people out on Medicare and Medicaid so that they can take them out.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, once they're part of the system, they can essentially prescribe them straight into the grave. Um, I have seen so many incidences uh, of people developing fast-acting cancers after receiving whichever version of the jab, uh, and I I, I, on, I can only imagine like you know the cost, the human cost within the next year or two. Uh, I mean, there's only so long that I think they're going to be able to keep it a secret. I mean, at a certain point, everybody is, is going to be dropping dead around us. I mean. I don't know that the the numbers that they give us for uh, uh, the the percentage of the population in America that got jabbed. I mean, they say something like 70 to 80 percent, but I can't believe that it's really that high. I mean, I I don't know very many people in my own personal life that actually got jabbed, but then – Maybe I'm living in a a bubble here, Scott, you know, I mean, it's like all of my friends were smart enough not to get it or didn't feel that they were pressured into getting it. You know, I mean, it it was a difficult experience, a very, very difficult choice. I know that there are people out there who were made to feel as if they didn't do it. They were going to lose their job. They were going to lose their family. They they were going to lose everything that they held dear. So I know plenty of people also who went out and just got the what was it, the Johnson and Johnson because it was one shot. But I don't think that's safe either.
5: Well, I, I agree because it was never it was never meant to be a vaccine. No, you know, no. I don't know if you've studied the Brooke Jackson case. I I have. I've seen the documents. And yeah. when you look at the so Brooke Jackson was um, a whistleblower. She filed a false claims act against. Or, uh, a false claims act grievance against Pfizer, mm-hmm. and Pfizer's defense was they had a contract with the Department of Defense called an Other Authority Agreement, mm-hmm. and that document shows that it was never a vaccine. They were um, contracted to produce a prototype. It was mm-hmm. a bioweapon. Yep. And you know, when you see that document, you realize, oh my gosh, this is it's it's unbelievable what they have done to people. So you know that jab has never been a vaccine and the people who are convinced you know they're still selling it like that the mm-hmm. people who are convinced of that I'd love to show them the document but I don't even know if that's enough to wake them up you, but, know, you know you you talk about you and your friends yeah. you know you guys you know thankfully and we're we're in that same boat we never took it but you know what what they're going to do is they they try to convince us through threats fear and when those things happen, that is our defense. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, God did not give us a spirit of fear. And that defense is what we have to kick in gear when they go into the next phase of what whatever's coming next.
4: Oh, absolutely. You know, I mean... For the people who who did feel pressured into taking it, you know, I mean, I can understand it. You know, I mean, if you are not in my position or in your position to be surrounded by like-minded people uh, who are, you know, going to say you're making the right decision, uh, it may be very difficult to stand there and be that one voice uh, amongst many hundreds uh, who are saying, "Hey, I don't think this is a good thing that we should be doing." You know, it's not a vaccine; it's an experimental gene therapy that was a biological weapon. Uh, you know, because people by and large and this, there's been plenty of studies to show this people uh, are are followers you know not a lot of people are leaders most people want to just be part of the club, they want to be part of the crew they don't want to stand out they they don't want to be made to feel that they're weird or different or something like that. you know maybe I'm lucky because I've been a weirdo my whole life I've never done what anybody <laughs> told me to do, so I was predisposed to not take the jab when they told us that we needed to do it um, but I, I I always say you know uh, we need to be kind to the people who did feel like they had to take it, because it's a it's a part of the human condition. You know, I don't fault anyone. I know that there were some really intelligent people out there who had all of the information, all of the evidence, and they still were like, well, maybe I should, you know, and they went ahead and did it. Or, you know, even people today who are lining up to get their kids vaccinated. My God, I saw a picture of someone, I'm not even going to say who this is, but I saw a a, a small child, okay, somebody uh, less than 10 years old uh, with a mask on, even still today, like wearing a mask out in public because they were around other people. I saw a guy on Twitter uh, getting into a cab in, uh, in, 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 uh, in New York City, wearing a mask, and it wasn't even like a tight fitting, like it had like air holes on this side like this guy like if there was a virus and somebody like coughed in front of him that the it would have just went right through not to mention going through the pores of the mask itself and he's saying you know that oh you know covid is not over even though the world health organization said that it was and i was just thinking like imagine being so deluded uh, about the mechanics of masks and how they work, you know, and then and and listening to something like this advisory coming from the World Health Organization. You right. just followed the who for three years as if it was your new religion. And now you're not trusting the science. You know, I mean, like I just like people are so attached to that thing. And, you know, we don't know the true cost of that either. I mean, the studies that have recently come out about uh, the damage to your brain, breathing in all that carbon dioxide. It's making people less fertile. I mean, the, the, the true cost of all of this is just it's not going to really be evident for a couple of more years. And, uh, you know, I think it's all the more reason why people like us need to be banging the drums right now and trying to, you know, save as many of us as possible. Some people are never going to get it. They're they're never going to wake up. They're never going to turn around and say, you know, hey, you know, I should have listened to you before. But it doesn't mean that we shouldn't keep going uh, as if every single person is somebody that we can save here. Um, so, Scott, I want to talk about the lawsuit. Um, so you recently announced the lawsuit. Uh, I'd like to know, first of all, what was the response uh, in terms of like, your community, your family and friends, uh, the, the press? Have you gotten press coverage? And then uh, and then I want to know the specifics of the lawsuit itself. So let's talk about that.
5: Yeah. So the, the response was phenomenal. So just to walk through the dates on March 30th, we did a, a live press conference and the local press came. We did get good press coverage. Uh, shockingly, the local Fox affiliate did a, uh, good. evening news, uh, on their evening news, they did a broadcast that was, it was done well. Uh, I was, I was surprised because when we've had other, Press situations, uh, they um, they tend to side with the hospital. Sure, so that was that was a positive. A uh, lot of people showed up for the press conference, local people, which was needed. We had about 150 people that came to the press conference. It was outside. It was only 18 degrees, so that was pretty pretty nice to see that. Uh, yeah, well, I don't, it's in
4: Wisconsin. I, you guys are used <laughs> to the cold. I, I'm, I'm from <laughs> Michigan, so I'm fairly used to it myself. <laughs>
5: Uh yeah, I mean you can tell the color of my skin yet. I haven't got <laughs> yeah, haven't gotten any sun yet this year. Um, Soon
4: enough. Soon enough.
5: <laughs> so then, what the what the purpose of March thirtieth was is there's mandatory mediation required um, in Wisconsin. So it's non-binding mediation. So we had to file that request for mediation that happened on March thirtieth. Then we filed the actual lawsuit on April eleventh. And the individuals, so we, in addition to Ascension Hospital System, we sued five doctors and two nurses who were directly involved um, with Grace's death. We did that on purpose because we want this case to set a precedent mm-hmm. that. Doctors and nurses are going to be held to account. Typically, the attorneys tell you that, you know, with a, a case that involves medical malpractice, our case is much bigger than medical malpractice. You typically only sue the hospital, but you know, this case is not about money. It's about exposing evil and doctors and nurses cannot use the excuse of following orders. So that's why, you know, there's, there's so many breaches in Grace's situation that we, um, we called out five doctors and two nurses, plus we have the opportunity to add more because we listed John and Jane Doe as part of the the complaint that was filed on April 11th. So now all those people and the hospital were served on April 25th, and that means that they have 20 days to respond, which comes up on May 15th. So that's where we're going to see what their position is uh, coming up here very shortly on May 15th. So the nuts and bolts of the lawsuit, I'm going to pull it up on my screen screen here so
4: yeah i i, I, I definitely anything. want to know you know what are you specifically alleging because it's interesting you know, certainly i never would have thought that there would be anything codified giving someone a doctor uh a pass on uh, on murdering somebody i mean that just seems so outside the realm of normality uh and so I, I definitely am interested to know what are they actually uh you know what is actually the 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 meat of the lawsuit
5: well, there's there's five claims. So the first one is wrongful death, and you know that's uh, seems fairly straightforward. Sure. But that's that's a big claim. You know that is one that I have a personal claim for wrongful death for my daughter Grace. Uh, then there's medical negligence. You know, so that's the um, maybe the least important piece. I mean, obviously there's negligence, but negligent negligence. Um, mm-hmm. Really takes out the intentional piece of it, so you know it, you know they made mistakes, so they you know negligence has an incident of a mistake. and you know as I lay out Grace's last day, you know I cannot see it that way anymore because I've reviewed the records myself, and I have about five hundred hours just in Grace's records alone, and when you see it, and you see the combination and the sequence of events that had to happen in order to give Grace the drugs. So, for example, uh, you know, obviously the doctor ordered the, the three meds that killed her. That's obvious. Mm-hmm. But a pharmacist had to sign off on that order. Yeah. And because the meds are contraindicated according to the morphine package insert, the alarm had to be overridden. And then the nurse in charge of Grace's care her last day that gave Grace those meds had 14 years of ICU experience on top of her nursing experience so that's when you see okay was this was this negligence you know obviously there's breaches of the standards of care that's what are involved with the negligence claim then the next claim is well, medical Scott, battery be,
4: be, before you do the next claim it, it, you know obviously now that we you know the way that we're talking about this the way that it appears in the records you know it doesn't It doesn't seem that it was negligent. It seems that it was intentional. And you just laid out a number of reasons why uh, we can go ahead and assume that. Uh, Does this mean that you need to uh, amend this lawsuit in some way or is there perhaps some criminal capacity that they could be charged with as a result of that?
5: Well, the next claim really gets into the intent because okay. it's the medical battery claim. And okay. The medical battery claim is is related to the lack of informed consent. And okay. I want to drill that down a little bit, but I want to answer your question specifically about criminal. So this is a civil case. You you can't file a criminal case on your own in Wisconsin. Right. So what we're hopeful for is through discovery We have enough evidence that we can turn that evidence over to the uh, district attorney in Mm. the county that we live in. And then the district attorney would file a criminal case.
4: Yes. Yes.
5: That's that's what our hope is with this. I mean, there's you know, there's a lot of risk for the district attorneys to do this. We don't know who all is in on this. Uh, You know, I I don't have a big trust level in the judicial, the the judiciary. Yeah. Uh, However, we're doing this because um, whether I trust the the judicial system or not is irrelevant. We have a responsibility to expose evil, and that's what this lawsuit does. So, the battery claim is about informed, you know, the lack of informed consent. And I want to just give an example of this because it's important. So. The doctor, when he called us at 643 in the evening saying, I just gave Grace more, Grace had another good day. I just gave her morphine. Okay, that's not informed consent. That's telling us what he did after the fact. Right. Uh, most everything, uh, the only time I would say we received any Um, uh, thing close to informed consent was when he explained the feeding tube. So when we approved a feeding tube during the call the morning of Grace's last day, the thing is, is he really lied about the situation because Grace already had a central line and she could have been fed TPN food, which now when I've talked with doctors afterward, they said that would have been substantially um, less risk to Grace. Yeah. versus the feeding tube. But he convinced us that the that that has a bacteria risk with TPN food. And you know, so in theory we get we were informed, but we weren't informed accurately. But informed consent is two words. We should have then taken the time to look what he set up on our own and give the consent separately. Yeah. But you know they put this pressure on you to give your approval Um, Right away, and you know that is a piece of this that I've learned, and I share whenever I can. You know, when you are getting informed about something, take the time then to process what the doctor told you. He's obligated, according to the AMA Code of Ethics 2.1.1, to provide informed consent. You know, so don't let him act like he's got to race out to another appointment. Make him take the time to get you informed so that you can wrap your arms around every single thing that's going on in that hospital setting. And then make your consent a separate event. Take time to process what was said so that you're not making a fearful or emotional decision. Uh, So that's their obligation. That virtually never happened with the entire stay that Grace had. And I'm going to give one more example, Zach, because it really shows what they were doing and what they're still doing. This has nothing to do with COVID. This was hap- has been happening for decades before COVID. COVID just exposed it. But Grace's first day in the hospital, the COVID expert said, Scott, I'd like to put Grace, you know, I'm I'm being polite with how he treated me. He was so rude. But anyway, he said, I want to put Grace on a drug called toxilisumab. So he didn't give me any informed consent or any information. He just said, this is what I want to do. So then I said to him, um, do you know anything about it? Well, this is our recommended treatment. So then I said, spell it. So he spells toxilisumab. So I looked it up on my own. I got a doctor from the outside to do the same. And we concluded that uh, the placebo group did better than the drug group. And the drug has 17 side effects. And so we we used the New England Journal of Medicine study as proof. So when his partner in crime came in and said, what have you decided? I said, we decided to not do it. And he asked, what's the reason? I showed him the New England Journal of Medicine study, and he got mad at me. And, you know, I found How out why. After, well, I mean, it was strange to have him get mad at me because I show him a study that shows we shouldn't be doing this. But I found out later you know, we know remdesivir was approved under emergency use authorization. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the one of the records that I reviewed from another person who uh, was murdered in a hospital, she got tocilizumab, and then I looked up tocilizumab, and tocilizumab was also approved under emergency use authorization. And one dose of tocilizumab is twenty two thousand dollars. So you can see oh. why they were why they were pushing it on us.
4: Wow, yeah. So you had already said no to remdesivir, and they were like, this is the next best thing where we can grift a, a couple of uh, uh, grand here.
5: Well, and we had actually not said no to remdesivir. Mm. Remdesivir never came up. We knew we were going to say no, but he said grace is already beyond the treatment period for mm. remdesivir for whatever reason. So we didn't have to cross that bridge with remdesivir. Okay. And getting back, just so we can button up the lawsuit, Zach, yeah. uh, the The fourth claim is uh, negligent infliction of emotional distress. Uh, And then the last one, as I mentioned earlier, when we were talking about the DNR is the declaratory judgment for the illegal DNR.
7: Okay.
4: All right. And, Have you had any conversations or have you started that conversation with your local prosecutor? Or, uh, I mean, perhaps have you spoken with your county sheriff? I mean, I know that uh, in many places, uh, sheriffs are starting to get more actively involved in uh, situations like this.
5: I did reach out to the county sheriff uh, way back, a little over a year ago now. Uh, He said to um, approach the DA's office And what happened was in April of 22, we did a rally outside of the hospital, a memorial rally for Grace. That created enough local stir that the district attorney's office then did reach out to us. And they said that they would open up a case once we got a legal team and provided uh, the appropriate evidence.
4: Okay. Scott, I actually uh, found a um, uh, some video from the press release, and I wanted to pull that up for the audience, so you guys can see this and you can see uh, a little bit about it. Um, There's actually two clips here. Um, Is one of them better to play than the other? We've got uh, one at the very top of the page, and then one in the middle of the page. don't know. Oh, okay, no, well we're gonna that. we're gonna take a shot. This this is uh from uh, Fox News coverage that uh I believe this is um hold on. Oh,
5: okay. That would be yep, so that's on Graceira.com.
4: Yep. Okay. All right. So Yeah, that's a good clip.
6: The family of a freedom teen who died in October of twenty twenty one plans to file a lawsuit against Ascension St. Elizabeth Hospital in Appleton and several of its health care providers. Grace Gara's family decla- claims that the doctor
2: No
1: fighterflare.com.
6: Doctors and nurses caring for the 19-year-old during a hospitalization more than a year ago violated her patient's rights when they listed her as a DNR, which means do not resuscitate without consent. They also say she was given a lethal cocktail of drugs that led to her death. And when family members asked for doctors to step in and save the young woman, they did not. The family filed paperwork today with the state taking the first step toward a lawsuit they said will be filed soon. We not only hope
0: and pray that justice will come for grace, but also for the hundreds of thousands of lives stolen by this medical tyranny. These crimes against humanity must stop. They need to be held accountable
6: for their actions. We have made several attempts to contact Ascension St. Elizabeth Hospital for comment on this matter. All of those requests have gone unanswered.
4: So, Scott, I just want to say we- it's uh, I think it's incredible, first of all, that uh, they gave you that coverage and uh, and that it appears to be uh, a fair summation of what happened. So. Um, has the hospital commented at all on this? Uh, have they been willing to speak with you, or have they attempted to justify the actions of their employees?
5: Uh, we only received justification. So way back, Zach, how I how we decided to jump in the game was I had sent them, and you know, just to give the timeline, October thirteenth of twenty one, Grace died, uh, then. We received the records on November 3rd, 4th. Uh, Myself and another doctor went through them. We spent about, you know, we just dove right into them. So we probably had at this point, you know, 60 to 80 hours in. But we knew enough that Grace was killed. So we did a summary, uh, sent it to the hospital on November 8th, requesting a meeting with the hospital CEO and the doctor. At that point, you know, just thinking that, you know, this was an accident, Um, you would want to know what you did so you don't do it again. Mm -hmm. And then on December 2nd, they sent a letter back saying, we're not going to meet with you. Uh, So then we saw that as, okay, well, now we have the Um, ability to jump in and share the story Uh, at that point you know i before that i just thought it was my biblical responsibility to give them a chance to defend what they what they did well then we received a letter dated december 15th or 16th we received it on christmas eve which was their official response and essentially um, they denied everything that we sent in the request to meet
4: wow well, well, I, I can't say I'm uh, particularly surprised. I mean, obviously, in a case like this, they have to be aware uh, of, of what the implications are for them. I mean, as a, a large hospital system, they have a responsibility for taking care of their patients. I mean, and they have ethical guidelines that they have to meet. Um, and the, the real question is, you know, how many other times did this happen throughout The entirety of COVID. I mean, have you had the opportunity to meet with any other families uh, that perhaps had to suffer something similar? I mean, especially since your public release?
5: Yeah, several. I mean, I've personally talked with hundreds. Uh, We have about 100 different stories already on Grace's website. And, you know, people are contacting me regularly. A lot of them are not phone calls anymore, a lot of emails, but, you know, several cases that are even worse than Grace's. And so, yeah, I've had many opportunities. The sad part of it, Zach, is that out of the 1.2 million hospital murders, you know, we'll say that, we'll just use round numbers. So I'll just say 200,000 of them were not nefarious. So we'll say then a million are, are in this category that I'm representing. Well, most of those million, and I would say in the neighborhood of 90%, really have no idea what happened? Because, you know, they bought into the narrative, the COVID narrative, and then once their loved one died, they were never in the room, so they never got to see any of the the actions of the doctors and nurses. Uh, they just know their loved one died, and so then they received a $9,000 payment from the U.S. government to bury their loved one. So then, you know, this is, this is the, the classic situation of... You know, the person who caused the problem, the United States government is behind this whole thing, uh, then they they give you uh money so they they look like they're your friend. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so then, you know, people go on with their life, they don't even realize that their loved one was
4: murdered. Well so, it- I know that quite often, if people accept those payments, it's also a de facto absolution uh, of any responsibility. Like once you take the money, then you have no other recourse at that point. You know they'll they'll tell you, well, you shouldn't have cashed our check. Then,
5: yeah, and I can't answer that because we never we never took the money. Good, we decided to not take it because you know just just inside, just ethically and morally, we just thought, well this we'd be agreeing that grace died of COVID and we knew she didn't die of COVID.
4: Mm -hmm.
5: So we never took
4: it. Um, You guys, we're going to be opening up the phones here in a few minutes. Kathy, I've seen a couple of your comments there. I'm sorry about uh, the situation with your husband. I'd love it if you uh, were to call in and and we can talk about it on air. Um, Scott, is there a documentary that's being made about grace's life? I have a trailer here and I'd like for you to uh, kind of cue that up for us.
5: Yeah, it's it's pretty exciting. I mean, that to be part of a documentary takes a long time. Sure. Uh, so this has been worked on for a, about six months now. Uh, it's called Breaking the Oath, Unauthorized. And so, of course, Grace's story is is uh, featured in the film. Uh, on top of that, we've got uh, um, a doctor by the name of Doctor. Uh, Moon, she is a fantastic testimony in the film. Uh, Nurse Erin is in the film. I love it. Uh,
4: I love Erin. She's great.
5: Vera Vera Sheriff, the Holocaust survivor, is in the film. And then we have um, Stacy uh, from Michigan who lost her husband. She gives a short um, testimony in the film. And then last but not least, Robert Pazer, who my wife and I rescued, out of a Green Bay, Wisconsin hospital in mm. November, physically we got him physically out of the hospital. Wow. He had already been given six doses of remdesivir, Ooh. and he called me on Christmas Day and said, "You know, he's he uh, has uh, SMA, spinal muscular atrophy. He only weighs forty pounds. Oh my and God!" He <clears throat> said, uh, "I'm I'm I'm alive today because Grace died."
4: How did he survive six rounds of remdesivir and that? reduced physical condition that's that's a miracle it was
5: a it was a real miracle Wow.
4: Okay. All right. Well, let's go ahead and uh, um, I'm going to play the trailer for you guys. Uh, Please, uh, I'm going to throw the Zoom information on screen. I'm also going to put it out there into the chat. If you've never called in before, the protocol is uh, either using the Zoom application, you can have it on your phone, on your computer, uh, on your iPad or tablet or whatever it might be, uh, and you just click the link. Click the link. It will bring you into the waiting room and you will sit there until I bring you in. Uh, If you do call in, then try to have uh, your volume button handy so you can turn down the stream in the background so we don't get the feedback. Uh, If you don't want to call in with the Zoom app, you can just use a regular old telephone. Uh, There's a a regular phone number for you to call and then you'll need to enter a meeting ID and a passcode. That will also be put out onto the screen. So, let's go ahead and play the trailer and here we go. (laughs)
0: after we watched our daughter Grace die on FaceTime I um, immediately felt that I needed to go to the hospital though I was still pretty sick and I met Jessica and our pastor there and um, while we were in the room we, Jessica and I had to spend a few moments just with Grace alone and it was it was just a horrific um Sight to come upon was the daughter, Grace was now gone. Um, the emotions that came over the top of our uh, minds and just our physical bodies were just unbelief. We uh, we took her bipap off it was still on. This was her hope and prayers that somehow she wasn't really gone, and as soon as we did that.
4: My heart goes out to you. That's so powerful. When did you say that this is going to be released? Um, It's going to be released on the 22nd of May. 22nd of May. Okay, so it's right around the corner. And how can people get the documentary once it is released?
5: Uh, They can go to America's First. So first is 1ST Productions. Mm -hmm. And that's where they can, uh, you know, it's going to be all over once we, uh, once we release it, of course. But, you know, right now you can sign up. There's going to be a – um the first night it's going to be on a service on May 22nd, and so all the cast are going to be available for question and answers. Those links are just not available yet, so I can't sure. give those to you. But America um, – America First Productions is how – I'm just going to confirm the, that I, it's
4: America. I actually I, – I passed out the link for uh, the trailer, and uh, I, I'm certain it will probably oh, be available there. So, you guys, keep that link. Yeah. Definitely, we we need to spread this as far as we possibly can. Grace was so beautiful, so full of light and love. And, uh, you know, I, every person that I've ever met with Down syndrome is just – the shining most beautiful example of humanity and the fact that they did this to you guys, I just, I can't, I can't even, you know, I mean, it's like, I, there are so many things that I see happening in the world and it's like, I I, I'm like, of course, you know, these people are evil, but there are just some times where I still am in utter shock, a a complete disbelief. I, I just, I don't understand it. I, I don't understand how somebody could do that to another person. And, you know, I suppose maybe that's why, you know, we're here today because I just, I I, I can't, I can't put myself in those people's shoes. It's just the most utterly depraved thing that I can imagine. Um, yeah. Scott, go ahead, Scott, go ahead.
5: Well, I, I, you know, you're right on with that. I mean, Down syndrome, people are the most wonderful on the planet. And uh, and I do want to share one other document. We kind of alluded to it, Zach. I know people are going to call in, but this is really important. Uh, this is how they implement Obamacare. That provision of Obamacare I referenced before, this is an example of how they implement it. So this is this is titled Palliative Care for Patients with Down Syndrome. This is a medical training document written by two MDs. It's to train other doctors and nurses how to handle people with Down Syndrome. Uh, it's produced by the palliative care network of Wisconsin so that's because we're from Wisconsin so just put your state in in uh fill in the blank so first they they introduced this by saying you know down syndrome people have all kinds of problems and they list about 40 different problems they have sleep apnea dental issues um cardi- cardiac septal defects thyroid dysfunction on and on and on It just there's nothing good about having Down syndrome. And what they're doing is they're setting this up because the transition, so this is the transition statement after laying out all these problems. It says the lifelong toll on families is high. So the families don't want these kids. Part of a robust plan of care includes acknowledgement of this toll by the healthcare providers. So they give you this list of problems. Then they tell you, I mean, these families don't want these kids because of all the problems. The lifelong toll is high. So I'm going to tell you the lifelong toll that Grace had on our family was to make our family better. She was just a fantastic, she she was the glue. So then the, the transition statement, this is the killing statement. So it says whenever possible, Decision makers, that's the doctors, for people with Down syndrome should be encouraged to use substituted judgment. That's the doctor's judgment. To make key palliative care decisions, all efforts should be made to determine the preferences of the patient. However, because of lifelong cognitive impairment, the views of the person with Down syndrome may not be known. Just think that through. I know what the view of every single person with Down syndrome is. They want to live. They don't want a doctor to make a decision on if they're going to live or die. But this is literally, in writing, how they're going to decide if a Down syndrome person is going to live or die. And, of course, they're going to decide death all the time because, because of this document. This is how they're trained.
4: Well, you know, they're they're just going from a a cost benefit analysis. You know, I mean, thinking that it's this individual is going to be a lifelong drain on the medical system. But, you know, every single thing that you mentioned there as, uh, you know, a symptom that might occur in someone with Down syndrome, can just as easily occur in a person with no chromosomal abnormalities or any other genetic uh, issue. Just being alive on planet Earth with the situation that we find ourselves in, you can be diagnosed with any of that stuff at any time. Um, it's, you know, I, I have seen recently a couple of interviews with uh, parents of uh, children with Down syndrome and, you know, talking about just the the uh, the way that they have enhanced their lives. You know, I mean, just, you know, how how wonderful it is, you know, for God to give you the opportunity to to share something like that, to to just like give of yourself to be there to raise someone who is just love. That's all they are. Uh, I think it's such a beautiful thing. And the doctors and the hospital systems, you know, they're screening for this early. They want to find if someone has Down syndrome before they're born so that they can uh, advise parents to just go ahead and abort, saying that, you know, it, it would be much better. You know, but I I think it's because they don't want someone to be born and to be alive in today's world that is so pure, that has, uh, you know, no ulterior motives. Uh, They're not going to be a psychopath. They're certainly not going to be a sociopath or an evil person. You know, I mean, they just want to be part of God's love and part of this earth. And that's it. That's the only thing I've ever seen.
5: Yeah, that's, uh, that's right on, Zach. Very well said.
4: All right. Well, um, we've got a couple of callers on the air. Um, Let's go ahead and bring in our first one. It is our our friend DJ Vector. Uh, Vector is our Australian correspondent, Scott. So let's go ahead and see what's going on uh, down under. All right. Vector, you're here, buddy. Go ahead and unmute. Can you hear me, bro? Yes, I can. And you know what, Vector? I'm sorry. I forgot to do the sponsor for the second half of the show. Sit tight. Don't go go anywhere. We'll be right back. No problem. Okay, thank you. Collagen is often referred to as a modern-day fountain of youth, and that's for good reason, because supplementing this powerful nutrient can bring back a youthful glow to your skin, hair, and nails. Now, my favorite source of collagen comes from this amazing mix that I highly encourage my audience to try. Why is that? Well, it's because it uses a unique blend of the top five critically most important types of collagen that your body needs to help bring back the youthfulness in our skin, hair, and nails. And if you order it today, you're going to get a bundle of of benefits by going to my special website. It's healthwithredpill.com, including 51% off a bunch of freebies. And in order to find that website, just click the more button below this video, click the link and get in before the special offer ends. And when you support my sponsors, you support this channel. All right, and we're back. All right, Vector, are you there? Yes, I am. Ed. How are you going, Zach?
7: I'm doing well, doing well. Good to hear from you. You too. Hello, Scott. Hello, Vector. I'm sorry to hear about your loss, and um, I haven't—I didn't hear the whole, the entire story, but I have been listening the last uh, few minutes. And um, yes, it's devastating. It's not surprising that uh, the medical industrial complex is uh, stooped to this sort of level. Like they just don't care about human beings anymore. And um, I can't wait for the Nuremberg Trials 2.0. I just can't see how it's not—you know inevitable especially for australians that are experiencing over 20 percent excess mortality in uh, 18 to 49 year olds after you know obviously the vaccinations allegedly um so there's a lot of bad things coming so yeah i, I just wanted to uh, pass on my condolences and, and let you know that we're supporting you and um and if there's anything we can, we can do for you then we certainly will go ahead
5: well, thank you very much. The thing that we're asking for now is for people to sign up and follow. Uh, we have a separate website that my daughter, Jessica, is maintaining, gracechara.com, S-C-H-A-R-A.com. And if you just enter in your email Um, it pops up and the reason we're doing that is we're expecting to do some significant calls to action as the legal case proceeds so that's the thing that everybody can do it's simple it takes less than a minute and i'd personally appreciate it if everybody would uh simply sign up and follow
7: i'll promote it as much as i can as well so uh thanks for letting everybody know and uh i'll make sure all my listeners are are actually following you and uh we'll stay in touch on social media and that kind of thing um go ahead zach
4: and Scott, you, you're you're open to doing media appearances of all types. I see that on gracechara.com. You do have the button. So if anybody that's listening has their own program, if they want to reach out to you to have you on the show, that's something you're open to?
5: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I've done uh, Yeah, I'm, the last three weeks has been exhausting since the. Since the uh, lawsuit drop, we've done uh, about 60 different interviews in the wow. last three weeks. So it's been intense, but it's important. I mean, Absolutely. this is yes. this for
4: a time such as this. So true. So true. All right, Vector, how's everything else with you, my friend?
7: I'm going great. I wasn't feeling well the other day. I had a day off and um I had bad backs. So I've been kind of flat, you know, uh, sure. very busy, very stressed. A lot of people around me are stressed, if I was being honest with you, Zach. So yeah. It's not been the best week, but I'm still just going and doing what I have to do. Um, I've got some big things I have to do in the next couple of weeks. I have a big wedding I need to go to uh, in about a fortnight. So I'll need to travel for that and all that sort of stuff. Um, But other than that, yeah, I'm doing my job. I'm doing my show uh, and uh, I'm just enjoying life the best I can. It's a really beautiful day here in Australia. Like I mean, picture perfect, like 23 degrees Celsius and uh, just hitting 1111, believe it or not. Exactly. So you check those digits uh, you know how I love doing that, yeah. And uh, yeah. <laughs> I hope Lisa's well, and um, she is definitely you know, mom. And how's this wedding going? Like it, you it's, don't know when it is. Do you? No, I do know when it is. We just we haven't said it like publicly,
4: just because I, okay. uh, you know, Lisa's private. She doesn't want me to put too much business out there on the internet. But it's coming up by fall. We'll we'll be married by fall, and uh, I'm going to see if I can get her to come on stream on screen like once that happens. But uh, I don't know. Yeah. She may not. <laughs>
7: That's, that's great yeah look um apparently the united states after a conversation on the second i think it was they oh. lifted the vaccine restrictions to get to the united states of america yes so i was gonna now, say something on, about that. <laughs> I'm like, I saw that i was like oh okay so now i've got to go actually and start applying for this passport and getting my visa and starting to go yes. through all those other hurdles but as q says nothing can stop what is coming ladies no. and gents and i'm really looking forward to going, look, Clay Clark's got a thing in August. I can't count the one in Doral in Miami, which would be fabulous in June. That's, yep. a bit too, that's a bit too much. But maybe the one in August. So we'll see here we go. I don't know anything yet, but you know how God will provide. Yep. Always has, always will. And I'm really excited to come and speak at Clay Clark's events. And I've been checking out all of his work, man. If you haven't seen all of the work that Clay Clark's done on COVID and all the connections oh, yeah. spiritually, b- biblically, and the Mark of the Beast, and uh, he was talking about, nero and uh the antichrist and just stuff like that so you know i'm into the gematria. so this is maybe yes. something that we can we can Absolutely. break down another time um
4: clay is clay is fairly prolific uh he's uh he's done a lot of great work out there and i know not everybody cares for you know his affectation and attitude but i love it i i think that he's got so much energy and and uh, he's got just a lot of optimism and enthusiasm i think that that's important
7: I can feel his reality. his like, his his realness coming yeah. through. Like I, I can sense when people aren't being fed income, as we say here in Australia. So they're not being legit, but Clay Clark's one of the most legit people I've ever seen. Yeah. And he's really a successful person. So I'm absolutely beside myself. Can't wait to meet him. And I really want to get myself to one of those rallies, Zach. So if, if we You're can gonna go gonna like to work. It's so much fun and you've just got such a a
4: great vibe. So many like-minded people. It's incredible. Scott, I was going to ask, I mean, have you ever uh, been in contact with Clay Clark? I mean, I would think that you speaking at one of his events would be a natural fit.
5: Uh, I was on his show uh, early on when I started interviewing, I did go to the reawaken America tour uh, in February or yeah, February of 22 in Canton. Um, But other than that, I haven't had any contact with him.
4: Okay. All right. All right. Well, listen, Vector, I appreciate your brother. Anything else that you got for the audience?
7: Not really. I just wanted to thank Scott for his courage, bravery, and everything that he's doing. Good luck. I know that you're going to be successful. Bring these people to task. And, uh, you know, we can't let them be murdering the most innocent people in our community. That's a reflection of our society. If we can't even protect, uh, people that are disabled or people that, um, uh, babies, the elderly, what's, what's happening to our society? So I'm pretty disappointed. Uh, other than that, I'll, I'll definitely 100% Zach send you an email about, uh, getting together sometime every time i look at your schedule it's like this guy never ever stops working so <laughs> that's, but as that's okay got, yeah. as long as i've got a lead i i can make it work so yeah just so. okay right. hit me up brother i'll thank talk you, to you god. soon love you guys i love, love you too. i love you all of you thank you god bless god bless america see you later bye
4: god bless you we'll see you all right uh next caller caller you're on the air can we get your name uh will will welcome to the program how you doing tonight I'm I'm great. How are you? Um, I'm doing excellent. We, uh, should we turn our TV off or the hmm. sound off? Yeah, just yeah. Go ahead and just turn the volume down because then we won't get the uh, the feedback coming through.
9: Okay, great.
4: All right, and uh, and Will, please uh, uh, tell us what's on your mind tonight.
9: Well, um, I have a little bit of a story, uh, a little bit akin to uh, Scott. And Gracie, I, I am the brother of my uh, sister, Susan, who was born 14 years uh, after myself. And, um, and back in 1967, when um, they really couldn't tell uh, right away whether uh, the, the person, the baby being born, was uh, uh, Down syndrome or not. Mm-hmm. And um, once we found that out, uh, my mom did the most loving things, and dad uh, eventually uh, uh, left the situation. But mm-hmm. my mom really took on a big project. And um, turns out mom ended up with Alzheimer's, to make a long story short. And Susan wanted to be independent. We put her in a group home, and she was doing so well. And I was her conservator. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I had asked was that she not be jabbed with this. Uh, I won't give it the uh, the uh, name of a vaccine. I, I sure. call it a genomic experiment. And I knew with her heart condition that they so often have as being dwarfed um, that it would be dangerous. And so I asked that it not be done. Then we got the call uh, last October in the middle of the night. Uh, where I got a call from the group home and the coroner, and it was a died suddenly issue. Mm -hmm. And um, it never crossed my mind because I had a very good relationship with the, uh, what I call, den mother of the house. And uh, she never did uh, supposedly get any uh, vaccinations or genomic experiments. And um, then when I was begging for the death certificate, it came back as... um, that she died of her own uh, Down syndrome. And I thought that was weird. She had it for 55 years. Why would they uh, say that she died from that? It must have been something else. And I was looking around. I went to her primary care doctor, got a hold of a nurse, and the nurse told me that she had had injections in 2021 uh in January, February, and then o- October of 21. Well, she died uh, a few months after that. And um, so uh, it's just become very personal for me that uh, I have to uh, try to. I'm trying to figure out, you know, whether she really got the injections because the doctor said they didn't give it to her or um, she did get the injections and they um, avoided uh, my request. And so I'm confused, but I. I saw uh, Scott uh, on several other shows uh, maybe a year or two ago when this happened with Gracie and it struck home and I thought seeing him tonight I hadn't seen him in a long time and I thought wow now my my sister I believe was wrongfully um could have been wrongfully um injected with this and now she's died suddenly And all I'm asking for at this point is that we get the death certificate correct, because what we need to do instead of researching COVID-19 origins, we really need to start finding out how we can save lives in the future. And uh, I wish Scott the best of luck with his uh, uh, lawsuit. Maybe that will help turn some heads and make some people start thinking ahead rather than looking behind.
4: Scott, any comments? Yeah, I have a couple of thoughts,
5: Will. You know, uh, first of all, are you inclined to get the records, the medical records for your sister?
9: I just got the records. I had requested them. I fought long and hard, and employees were quitting. Uh, Evidently, something was going on, but I did get the records, and it shows that there was Pfizer. Uh, that she had uh, the 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 three shots um okay. january january and and october of 21 all
5: right well then you know you at least know you can uh, uh, close that chapter but you know you said something that you know how do we've got to learn from this we've got to learn how to protect people but you know i, I see it as a lot deeper than that i don't know how you protect uh, you know if you have somebody that's trying to murder you, how do you protect yourself from that? You know you can protect yourself by you know not going into a hospital, but you know it's it's uh they're they have an agenda to do that, so I mean, I don't know that we can learn anything from covid that's going to help with a future pandemic because that isn't the goal. their goal is to unleash whatever they want to unleash to reduce the the population so yeah, you know, I think that's if we can learn that from COVID, we have the potential to stop this.
9: Absolutely, uh, I have been making phone calls uh, to government uh, senators and congressmen, and not only my own but of the different committees, and asking them to do the research. Quit worrying about where this damn thing came from, and start worrying about the connection between our own. Uh, department of defense let's say and uh the uh Pfizer and Moderna and their connections and start drawing the public's attention because we're being totally diverted from from the truth of where this thing first of all originated and second of all uh, uh the the, the parties at fault for continuing this madness with this Genomic uh, experiment that they they even had to change the definition of a vaccine.
0: Mm
4: -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, genomic experiment is uh, certainly an apt description. Um, It uh, it, it's as far from a vaccine as it could possibly be. Um, I saw actually something today about uh, I think it was in the Epic Times something about how the the effectiveness of the vaccines uh, is effectively zero. Uh, that it really does no good. And there's no reason, certainly logically, for people to go ahead and get it. Um, and uh, I think the only thing that makes sense when you look at the picture and certainly when you uh, consider the, the documents that Scott's been able to produce, uh, the, this really is just all about the, uh, the extermination of, uh, of people on a mass scale.
9: Yeah, when it makes you think of the word effectiveness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's effective for something, just not what we think it
4: is. Yeah, no, that's that's exactly it. That's exactly it. All right. Well, um, Will, uh, my my heart goes out to you, friend. I'm sorry that uh, that you're going through this as well. But uh, do me a favor, stay in touch, and and I'd love to uh, you know keep up with your case. And feel free to call in at any time. And hopefully, you can get the justice that uh, your sister deserves.
9: Zach, I was, uh, it's a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, my wife and I watch your show uh, quite a bit, and we just thought we'd call in because of the Down syndrome and just what wonderful people and what a wonderful, happy person my sister was. And it's a shame that she couldn't go beyond 55 years. You know, Zach, when she was born, they told us from the hospital that with her heart condition and everything else, she wouldn't live to be seven.
0: Mm.
4: But she lived 55, and she was well worth every year. Absolutely. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you to both you and your wife. I really appreciate it, and I appreciate you guys letting me know.
9: Thanks, Zach. We'll talk to you.
4: All right. Well, take it easy. Have a great night. God bless. Okay. Excellent. Uh, Okay, we've got one more caller on the line, guys. So if you're thinking about calling in, go ahead and uh, jump on the line. Here comes uh, Principled Enigma. And uh, there is the man himself. We're just waiting for the microphone to connect, and uh, then we'll go ahead and get right into it. While we're waiting for P.E., let me just jump on over here to the foxhole and say thank you to Sean Joe for dropping a cookie. Also to Just Duckies, who says, thank you for the informative information. Uh, a boneless chicken says a hospital tried to murder my mom in the same fashion. Stu Peters and Dr. Ruby came through and helped to stop it. Wow, that's that's incredible. I'm glad to hear that uh j2 dank thank you for the cookie just duckies says not everyone has leadership in their dna not to say it's a bad thing but it's okay to be a follower absolutely and i certainly hope that i didn't give the impression that there is something wrong with you know not being a leader from the get-go um but uh but yes yeah you're on the right track all right Principal enigma welcome back to the show sir good to see you again how you doing zach excellent excellent how about yourself
10: Good. And uh, this is a particularly good program, Scott, because uh, my son, my younger son, has Down syndrome. He's 35 years old right now. Yep. And I found out at the beginning of December 2022 that he had received a booster shot. Yeah. And I didn't even know that he had the first two Moderna shots. Now, I know this may sound kind of strange. I'm his, I'm his father, but uh, I don't have custody of him. Uh, things over the past 20 years between his mother and myself kind of went weird directions. Sure. Even though we always, uh, even though we always remained friends, we ended up splitting custody between our two sons. And unfortunately the son that I got, uh, Jason committed suicide. <laughs> I, it's not funny, but, uh, it's just an, an irony that, um, I, I it's amazing the things that I've had to deal with the last 10 years of my life.
4: Sorry to hear um, that.
10: Well, I'll tell you what. I am absolutely convinced that this life is the boot camp for heaven. Mhm. Okay. And and this is on the job training. You don't leave boot camp and go to the battle. No. <laughs> this is the battle we're in it right now. So I my hat's off to you with what you're doing because uh, you know, because when I found out that about, you know, my son receiving a booster, I'm like, "Wait a minute." He, when he was born, he had a, myo, uh, a massive myocardial infarction. All four chambers of his heart were bleeding into each other. Mm. He, he has an he had uh, he has an artificial valve, and he had two open heart surgeries within two weeks of each other when he was only one year old. Wow. Okay, I was in the hospital when all that was coming down, and and that that, that all kinds of other things in my life at that time are falling apart because of what was going on with Sam. I couldn't. I couldn't I couldn't work. I wasn't earning the money. And it was just really a really horrendous situation. But uh, I can only imagine. Um, yeah. But, you know, here he is at 35 years old. And I come to find out he received a booster. And I didn't even know he received the first two. Nobody ever asked me. And if they would have, they probably know I would have said no. <laughs> yeah. No. But, of
4: course. Uh, of course. You know. I mean. It seems like every opportunity that the healthcare system gets to, uh, you know, to to inject people without the consent of the people who are ostensibly their caretakers, they're they're going for it. You know. I mean. I, I've heard so many similar situations like this uh, throughout the the entirety of this awful awful time.
10: Um, Scott, any comments? Are you doing anything to detox him? I, it's not in my privy. He's not under my control. Um, his uh, his uh, sister actually has custody of him, and that's the way my wife set it up. And unfortunately, his sister has chosen the alternative lifestyle, which I'm not at all happy with. Oh boy, mm-hmm. yeah. So that's the influence that's around my son constantly. Oh, so boy. does it make me happy? No, but it's out of my control right now even if I tried to get custody of him, he's 35 years old. I'm 70. Yeah.
4: Yeah. yeah.
10: And, and he's like twice my weight. (laughs) And if he don't want to do something, he flat out ain't going to do it. And, you know, there's no way I could have any control over, over, over him. And, you know, uh, at this stage of the game, but um, nor what I want to control, and that's not the point, the point is I want him to live his life, his life and happiness and fullness and, I get a little annoyed and irritated because when I call down there, I can hardly ever talk to him. So I I almost got to the point that I kind of gave up. So I just call a sister to find out what I was doing. Mm -hmm. When I can afford it, when my income increases, that's all going to change.
4: Well, hopefully that's soon. Yeah, hopefully. How how far away is he from you? About 100 miles. 100 miles. Okay. All right. So it's feasible. It's doable.
10: It's doable, yeah. yeah, but it's you know, when you're living month to month on the edge of red and oh, black,
4: I understand. <laughs> I absolutely understand. Yeah. Yeah. So
10: what is what's your son's first name? Samuel. Samuel. His, his name is Samuel Josiah Feather. Uh we gave we gave both of our our children uh, biblical names. Jason is basically after it's a derivative of Jesus, and if I would have known then what I know now, I would not have agreed to that name, but uh um, his middle name was Christopher, uh, so Jason Christopher, Miles Feather. Miles was my father's first name, so we gave our, our first son two middle names. And but Is unfortunately, Feather
4: another middle name, or is that the last name?
10: Feather is the last name.
4: Okay, cool. cool. It's,
10: it's, in, it's indigenous, predominantly of Pennsylvania. Um, okay. Uh, in, in the 1880s, uh, 80% of the Feather families were in Pennsylvania, and there were a total of 20 of them. Wow. And that was that was in the 1880s. So we have spread out. Oh, man, because they do because most of us didn't like staying in Pennsylvania.
4: <laughs> I don't blame you. you know? <laughs> Pennsylvania is beautiful. Any any native Pennsylvanians out there. But, you know, I mean, it's like any any, any of the East Coast and the and the Midwest. I mean, people need to get a little bit of diversity and uh, in their surroundings. So,
10: well, you know, when when people on the East Coast call what they're looking at mountains, you mm-hmm. need perspective. Sure. (laughs) Okay, you need you need to come to Arizona and find out what a real mountain looks like. Okay. Yeah, Yeah. it's very true. Very very true. Well, those the the, the mountains
4: on the East Coast are ancient in comparison to the ones uh, out west. You know, I mean, they've had a lot more time to get worn down by nature
10: and God's hand. Well, that's that's true. But uh, on the flip side of that, also is that some of those mountains have a lot of history inside them. Okay. How do you mean? And well. Caves, sure. um, uh, burial mounds, yeah. uh, burial mounds that have been covered over. Uh, you know, burial mounds that have been displaced. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. The East Coast is full of it because you know, Native Americans were all up and down the East Coast when we first got here.
4: I was just watching something today about uh, mounds down here in Florida. I'm fascinated by all that stuff. I, I, uh, yeah, I've done, I've done a lot of research on it throughout the years. Well, listen, Principal the Enigma, I, we've got another caller on the line. I don't want them to hang up. So, uh, is there anything final that you have for the audience?
10: Yes. No. Well, uh, there's one final thing with you, one of these days, and it will hopefully happen this year, I'm going to be knocking on your door. Okay. Right on. Right on. <laughs> Send me an email. We'll get it set up. <laughs> all right Uh, right, i I just didn't have the money to make that meeting uh the uh, last uh, week or so ago whenever it was but uh, uh, it was just it just didn't work out
4: understand well we're gonna have plenty more in the future so hopefully we'll see you then all right all right brother we'll talk to you you soon keep you safe man god bless you we'll see you all right great great call uh caller you're on the air can we get your name
11: hi it's
4: heidi heidi welcome to the program how are you tonight
11: Oh, I am so glad I'm listening to this show and so glad to be introduced to Scott.
4: Absolutely. I'm glad you're here as well. Go ahead and uh, you, you've got the floor.
11: Yeah, my husband was killed by a hospital in Virginia in September of 2021. And um, I felt pretty helpless helpless then because they wouldn't allow me in and i um, help, helpless now until tonight. I finally feel like there's a shred of hope to get some uh, vindication for him and so many others. I have other widow friends who are in the same situation.
7: Heidi,
4: I I can only imagine. I, I mean, so what what have you been able to determine? I mean, what exactly happened?
11: Um. So he was he tested because his work required him to. He had a positive COVID test, which we know, you know, is worth sure nothing. Yeah. Um he was I was sick at the same time. He was sick for a week before I took him to the hospital and it was same situation. His uh pulse ox dipped below 90 and I was told by a friend who was a nurse that he needed to go to the emergency room if he if he if, it, if the oxygen went below that. Um neither one of us had had any prolonged hospital stay, so both of us were unprepared for what we had coming. Um, I didn't want to take him there, but I didn't have any way to help him. So I, I did take him to a hospital Mm -hmm. um, and they wouldn't, they told me, they told me when I got there that I couldn't go back with him. I found out the next day that he was, he had double pneumonia and um, he was there for 12 days and that was it. And they, he, I took notes. I, I was only able to see him for five minutes before he was vented. They allowed us to come, me and my two sons and his twin brother. We had five minutes with him, but he was on bipap. He couldn't. He couldn't take it off to talk to us, and yeah, it was a nightmare. Impossible.
4: I'm so sorry. Did they? Um, Thank you, Zach. Did they put him on remdesivir, or did they put him on any other uh, odd drug cocktails in the way that uh, that Gracie was?
11: Um. I do have his hospital records. I haven't been able to open them up. Mm, um, I can but I did request them. Um, and I don't remember the name of the drug that they had him on, but it was also, I, when I, when I took him into the emergency room, I told the nurse at the desk not to put him on remdesivir because I knew that was um, not good. Um, but, I, I did write down the name of the drug he, he was on. I don't remember it, but I do know that it was under an emergency use authorization as well. And I went on the internet and looked it up. And when I read the side effects, I said, Oh my God, they're going to kill him with this. Sure. Yeah. So I don't have that readily available because I just happened to catch her show tonight. And I'm so glad I did. I just yeah. saw a little rumble notification and Oh my God, I'm So grateful.
4: I'm glad you're here, Um, Scott. You mentioned uh, it was called Toxazuma Lab or something along those lines. Tocilizumab. There's in
5: you know there's a few of them that are not very well known that were under emergency use authorization. Uh, Baricitinib was another one. Uh, Of course, everybody knows about Remdesivir. Um, You know, and all these drugs had. Uh, significant side effects. They're huge money to the hospitals. You know, it was obvious yeah. it
4: was an agenda, no question
5: about it.
11: 100%. 117% actually.
4: So that Toxazuma lab, I, I looked that up. That's a uh, it's a cancer drug. Uh, it has something to do with um, uh, depressing cytokines. And that's I remember hearing that often that there was this cytokine storm or whatever that was supposed to be present in people's bodies when they were uh, positive for covid.
5: Correct. Yeah, that was their theory that you could open up different, different uh, ways to heal if you took this drug um, to reduce the cytokine storm. But you know, I my research showed that it wasn't true, and mm. you know, and now when I see that it's twenty two thousand dollars a dose, you know, you can see what their motivation was.
4: Absolutely. Um, Heidi, you're uh, you, you sound like a young woman. I mean, and you mentioned that you have two small children. Uh, how how old was your husband?
11: My husband was 52, and he had no underlying um, health conditions. He was the healthiest he he had been. Um, I'm actually <laughs> not as young as I sound, and and my kids aren't small. They're they're all um, older, and and thank God. Okay, I just found uh, I think the drug. I'm looking in the notebook where I kept notes. Um. Oh, maybe not. Sorry.
4: Oh, it's okay. But yeah. But I mean, when when you when you took him to the hospital, I mean, despite the fact that it said that his oxygen was low, I mean, did was was he deathly ill? I mean, did it seem like like under any other circumstances would you have considered it necessary to take him to the hospital?
6: Um,
11: he was having difficulty breathing. Okay. Um. Okay. And he did not um, go to the emergency room before that we had uh, he called in on the um, teledoctor thing mm-hmm. um, but the uh, I mean you know hindsight is 2020 20. sure sure uh, the important I mean, thing for him was his um, mo was when he would get sick he would just um, you know tough it out I called Kay. it going into his cave he'd, he'd sure. go into his cave and he didn't want to be bothered but he just want to get through it and get Get on his bike
4: exactly, yeah. And
11: yeah. Um, so he underestimated what I mean. He had he had much different symptoms than I, than I had. I never got tested because mm-hmm. I wasn't required to. Um, but he did have fevers, and then they broke, and then they came back. Like during that week when he was home, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty sure that when they came back, that's when the pneumonia started. Okay, but um, neither one of us knew how sick he was until after he was there. And once he was there,
4: didn't come out. Yeah. Uh, well, my heart goes out to you. Scott, do you have, do you have any advice for, for Heidi? Anything she can do?
5: Well, I, yes. the one question I have, Heidi is on, on your, what was your husband's first name?
11: Um, his name was Ned.
5: Uh, what was, what was the diagnosis on his death certificate? What did they say?
11: Um, it had COVID on his death certificate. And, Zach, I just want to tell you, I did not take the $9,000 because I considered it a blood money
4: good, I think from the government. Yeah, you, good it, for you. it is. It was so blood I am money. So I'm so
11: glad you said that because that is what my gut told me. I refuse to take that money.
4: Yeah, yeah, good. I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad to hear it. Because I but would think that you, you, mu- you must have some recourse say, after this.
11: I really hope so. And I have been waiting to find something like you, Scott. I this is the first I've heard of you and I'm so sorry for the loss of your daughter and what you went through.
5: Well, thanks thanks Heidi. You know, the thing that what I would encourage you to do, I mean, you're you're obviously can tell the story, you're eloquent. And, you know, you want to be able to tell this to as many people as possible. And, you know, mentally you have to get through. Uh, most people are going to think that you're not telling the truth. I had to get through that at the beginning, too. But, you know, it's it's important. Our responsibility now is to make sure that our your husband and my daughter didn't die in vain. And so in order for that to not happen, we've got to share the message. Yeah,
11: I just don't, haven't known how to. And it's such a big machine that we're up against.
5: Um,
11: I mean, it's it's daunting. Any resources?
5: Yeah, I I didn't know how to either. I just started. I'm just a dad, Uh, you know, and I just I reached out to anybody that would listen, and um, that's how it started. And you know, you're doing that tonight, and you know, there are people who will listen. Uh, you know, the local radio stations. Um those you know, there's some uh in, in your area, I'm sure. What state are you from, Heidi?
11: I'm in Virginia.
5: Okay. Um you know the the local conservative radio stations, uh I've been on uh, lots of them. Um I would say, you know, in the neighborhood of a hundred different radio stations. And, you know, Uh those are uh, really great venues because you get a chance to tell the story. um, And the the hosts of those shows are very skilled. You know, they're a lot like Zach. They just have a, a natural way about them that, you know, they ask you questions and they walk you right through the story. So I'd encourage you to do that.
11: Okay. And are you a doctor, Scott?
5: Nope, but I play one on, on Zach's show. (laughs) No, I've just, I have learned an awful lot. I have become, um, you know, well-versed in the entire, in, in the system. So, I mean, I've, everything that I've learned is since Grace died.
11: Yeah, it was a steep learning curve.
4: Well, Um, you know, like Scott said, I, I think the, the key here is, uh, Taking the tragedy that you've experienced and uh, making sure that people are aware of it, uh, you know, your husband, uh, the the husbands of your friends. I mean, their deaths must not be in vain. You know, Heidi, you mentioned uh, several other widows. You know, h- how many people are we talking about?
11: Um, I just a handful that because it this thing was so, um politically charged
0: mm-hmm.
11: and um, my husband was unvaccinated um, mm-hmm. and he I won't go into the details but he was punished in the hospital because oh, he was un- unvaccinated in ways that you could never imagine and I had to hear about it from home not being able to be there not being able to advocate for him um, and I am convinced I heard uh, Scott talk a little bit about Obamacare mm-hmm. the HIPAA laws yep. my experience they were put into place to execute exactly what happened to Mm -hmm. our loved ones in the hospitals because they wouldn't give me access to his my chart. I had people that were friends that worked in that hospital that went down to whatever office it was to get things in order. And the whole time I could never get access to his information. I could barely get someone on the phone. Um, as he continued to decline it, I mean, it was everything about it was, impossibly difficult and i and i know that they did that so they could keep us on the sidelines yeah
4: yeah yeah all right well um uh, you know, Heidi, uh, you know, continue to uh, uh, to tune in. And if I can find any specific uh, uh, your resources or references, I, I will certainly make sure that I broadcast them on the air. Um, you said you're in Virginia. You know, that's you know an an issue, I would think, in itself, because, I mean, you're I don't know where in Virginia. But I mean, that's kind of close to Washington, D.C., I might imagine. And, uh, of course, you have a high concentration of uh you know, people that have a vested interest in making sure that these situations take place. So. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. Well, uh, I want to thank you very much for calling in and sharing your story with us. And uh, if there's anything that I can do for you, please, you know, you can reach me through the website uh, or at my, uh, my proton mail.
11: Yeah. I think it's just so important that, um, you know, those of us that this happened to, really like scott said start speaking up yeah i just haven't known how to um because it really is like shouting into the void like oh,
4: it is it is <laughs> and,
11: and everybody that i've told that my husband was murdered that they don't know what to do nobody knows what to do
4: no no i mean it's like an insurmountable foe i mean real david and goliath type situation you know i mean the the hospital systems have you know seemingly uh endless sums of money, but um I know yeah. that there are class action lawsuits that are starting to be filed. You know, I don't know if you've seen the programs that I've done with Michael Hamilton, but he's involved with some cases out west. Um and you know, I'll I'll specifically ask him if he knows of any actions that are taking place in Virginia and uh if so, then I'll I'll put it out there for you.
11: Thank you so much. You're Zach. very welcome. Yeah. And and that's just on your website that I'll look for that? Uh well no I'll
4: I'll say it on the air you know I'll, uh, I'll I'll it'll either be on like a like one of the weekday shows like Monday Tuesday Wednesday or Thursday. Okay. Yeah.
11: Hey and, I just love uh love your show with John.
4: Um, oh um, baseless you, conspiracies.
11: On <laughs> yes, love it. Yeah. Good. Love I'm glad. All the programs there.
4: Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. I'm
11: glad you're a part of it.
4: Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. It's uh, It's been an excellent opportunity, and uh, I, I, I enjoy being able to do those shows as well. So, yeah. All right. Well, well thank, thank you, you so for your for call, you Heidi. Do, well, thank you very much. Yeah. I appreciate you, and thank you for calling and sharing your story with us.
11: Thank you so much.
4: All right. God bless. Bye-bye. Have a good night. All right. Um, We don't have anybody else on the line, but let me go ahead and uh, go through some of these thank yous over here. Um, Thanks again to Just Duckies. Napkinator 79 dropped an EMP, which is uh, 10,000 gold pills. Thank you so much for the support. Uh, He says, thank you, RP, for all your hard work and great reporting. Michelle Ann uh, said, thank you, Zach, for another excellent show and such a powerful topic. Uh, J2 Dank dropped a cookie, and then so did Porpoiseful as well. Uh, so, thank you very much for those, you guys. I really do appreciate it. I got a, a troll over there in the Rumble chat. Hopefully, he won't be back again under an assumed name. Um, so, uh, uh, Scott, uh, you know, obviously, this is an ongoing case. You, you've got uh, a lot of irons in the fire, I would imagine. So, I mean, what can we expect uh, from what you're working on with this lawsuit? Do we have a timeline?
5: Yeah, so the timeline, we have a couple of, of things that are we know. One is we have the 90-day mediation situation. So uh, that was March 30th when we filed the request for mediation. So by June 30th, that's the trigger date. So we're going to know something there. Uh, we'll know some of the cards in their hand at that point, and they'll know some of ours, obviously, through the mediation process. Uh, May 15th is the next trigger date. Uh, when they have to respond, the hospital and the uh, five doctors, two nurses, they have to respond to the complaint on May fifteenth. Uh, so we're going to know more then. Uh, the problem is, you know, once things get rolling, Zach, you know, then they go through the discovery process, and it it could be uh, a long eighteen to twenty four months before we have our day in court. But as the discovery process goes, of course, we're going to be sharing what we learn every step of the way, because that's what the goal is, exposing evil. You know, you know to wait two years for your day in court is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You know, that is, um, there's people dying in the interim. That's why I'm speaking out. You know, I can't sit and wait on, for two years to happen before we supposedly get
4: justice. No, no, you certainly can't. But you know, at, at least you've started the process and we can kind of uh, track the, the progress from here on out. Uh, Scott, tell everybody one more time where they can find you, where they can find your show, all of your information.
5: So the main website is OurAmazingGrace.net. And if you go to that website, you'll see a whole bunch of cool videos, pictures uh, resor- of Grace, and then resources. Um, uh, a lot of my research is posted on that website, but then uh, my show is under the deprogramming tab. So it's called Deprogramming with Grace's Dad, and that will connect you with all the historic shows and the Rumble channel that we have for uh, for the deprogramming podcast and then the website that I'm encouraging everybody to go to is graceshara.com s c h a r a and the reason is is we're wanting to get people to follow grace's story in case because as we have calls to action uh coming up we've got to be able to get a hold of people so uh, that's what I would encourage. Also, Heidi, if you're still listening um, on Grace's main website, our amazinggrace.net, we have a place where you can share your story and also your friends who have lost their husbands also. Uh, we post them all. We have about 100 stories now listed on Grace's website. So we'll be glad to, I forgot to mention that, we'll be glad to post that for you, Heidi.
4: Okay, excellent. Um, I have passed out the links for gracechara.com and then also our amazing Uh Before we end the show, you guys, I just need to say thank you very much to the sponsors. Finally, uh, of the uh, end of the program, that would be my friends at Oneness Drops, where you can pick up your chlorine dioxide water purification kits. Chlorine dioxide, as you know from watching the show, is good for uh, many different things, but it's especially good at purifying water. If you're a prepper, if you're a hiker or a camper, it's one of those things that I always have uh, on my person, and uh, of course, it's also good for many other things, but if you go to onenessdrops.com and use code RP78, you can get 15% off every single order. You can get it in a number of different formulations, but they both do the exact same thing once you mix parts A and B. You You have chlorine dioxide, and you can use it immediately. So uh, consider supporting them. You'll be supporting the show. Uh, Also, uh, my friends at Green Zone, uh, you can go to Bull Nutrition, which is shopbull.com. That's S-H-O-P B-U-L-L-E. You can get your uh, Green Zone, which comes in a uh, berry flavor or in a chocolate flavor, and in every scoop, you have 15 servings of fruits and vegetables, and it's a great way to go ahead and get your nutrition on the go. And then also, their serum oils, which is an omega complex that promotes fat breakdown and just the supporting the uh, building up of uh, lean muscle. And then finally, uh, my friends, Mike Lindell and MyPillow, MyPillow.com, Using code RP78, you can save on every single product they have there. Whether it's their Giza bed sheets, uh, the towels, the My Pillow slippers, uh, obviously My Pillows themselves, and then the new My Pillow mattress pad. So when you shop at My Pillow and use code RP78, you're going to be supporting the program as well. And uh, once again, Scott, I'd like to say thank you very, very much for coming here and uh, sharing your story with us. Do you have any final thoughts for the audience? Anything you want to leave them with?
5: The thing that is likely most important, Zach, is until you change your belief regarding what happened, what's happening and what has happened, you won't take any action because our actions always follow our beliefs. And mm-hmm. I'll just leave everybody with... um the Genesis fifty twenty reference that I I really like to talk about because this is this is what we're doing right now. And Genesis fifty twenty says, You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. And you know, I encourage anybody who's lost a loved one through this to start speaking out. We have the ability to stop it. And you know, this is evil. God is not uh in charge of evil. He wants to turn this around for good. And it's up to us to take action when we see evil. So that's what I'd like to leave everybody with.
4: Amen. Yeah. Local action for national impact. A couple of final thank yous. Uh, My friend, Glenette over on cash app. She said, great show. I emailed Sheriff Judd's contact info. You guys, I'm going to be interviewing Sheriff Grady Judd. You might know him as the top buster of pedophiles and child traffickers in the nation. He's always doing press conferences, showing off the uh, sad faces of the people that he busted trying to uh, abuse children. So I can't wait to interview him. Uh, I also need to say thank you to Gator, uh, who said, God bless you. Uh, Paula, who said, thanks, Zach. I love you, man. I love you too, Paula. Susie Q said, I appreciate the hard work and time. And then uh, Ricky Dean. Thank you very much, Ricky Dean. Uh, Scott, thank you as always, and uh, I look forward to seeing what happens with the case and uh, any progress that you make in getting justice for grace and God bless you and everything you're doing. Thanks a lot, Zach. It was a pleasure to be be on again. Absolutely. Uh, And just one more thank you over to Elizabeth G with a, a pair of shades on Foxhole. I'll go ahead and pass out the gold pills and then I'll be back tomorrow at 9 p.m. for tomorrow night's episode. And until then, good luck. God bless. We'll see you guys then. Rumble, hit the like button. If you're on Foxhole, hit the Red Pill. Please, please, please. It really does help. If you're watching on a platform that doesn't show the like button, then just go to rumble.com forward slash red pill 78. You can just go directly to my channel and hit that like button. The scratching was released, Debbie. Uh, Let me try to hit it again. Okay, I've just done it again. So if it doesn't come out, then uh, I don't know what else I can do, but I will stay live. There we go. It's It's been released, Debbie. It definitely has come out. Please hit the like button. Hit the red pill. Thanks, guys.